Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. All right, hello, welcome to another edition of the Cuda Confidential Podcast, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Nick Nolenberger here, the voice of the Barracuda, along with marketing manager Joey Goldstein, coming out of the All-Star break. Everybody, an opportunity to get their mind off the game for a couple days. Some guys went back home, some guys went to Sin City, some guys went to Miami, so everybody was kind of scattered throughout the country, but a good couple days to get away, and a nice way to uh, end, uh, I guess, the quote-unquote, first half of the season going into the All-Star break. You go into Grand Rapids, the best home team at the time in the entire league in San Jose, finds a way to pick up three of a possible four points, including a 4 nothing win on Friday night behind 29 saves from All-Star netminder Yosef Kornosh. And then you lose in a shootout the following night, but certainly I think you'll take getting three of a possible four. And you sit atop the division, you're riding a five-game point streak coming out of the break, and starting to kind of get back in that rhythm and I think routine that we saw for the Barracuda for the first couple of months. Tapered off a bit, I thought, at the end of uh, December and then going into January, but seems like the group's finding a rhythm and a nice way to go into the All-Star break. Yeah, they've got to find their rhythm, right? Because this is this is when you, you ramp up and, and push towards a playoff spot. You push for a, a playoff run, and this Pacific Division is tight. It is very tight. There's some teams that are they're not going to go away, right? So in a matter of two weeks, you could see a, a, a heavy drop-off in the standings. And Bakersfield's won, it must be eight in a row. San Diego has won like 12 out of 14 or something crazy like that. Tucson's been consistent as they have been all year. Colorado's still winning games. So, And then you have us. So those five teams you know, sitting atop the Pacific Division, it's, it's, it's a bit of a logjam. And one, one bad week or two bad weeks – is going to set a team back pretty heavily at the rate that everybody keeps winning games. Um, and these next couple months, we're going to see some of those teams coming in here. You know, Iowa is a very good team coming out of the Central Division who we're going to have to play against uh, starting next week. We're going to see Bakersfield again. We're going to see San Diego. We're going to see Tucson again, Colorado. So all these teams that we're kind of jockeying with for position, uh, we're, going to, we're going to see them come back. So it was good for them to go into Grand Rapids, who was in first place, to go in, take three or four from them in a tough building to play, and hopefully that's kind of kind of snowballs here after the break. And they're back on the ice for practice today, two games this weekend against Stockton, which are always tough. But you hope that uh, all that kind of comes together and they haven't really missed a beat. Yeah, you kind of throw out the records when you have a rivalry matchup. It's been quite one-sided this year. It's been quite one-sided over the first four years in this division. San Jose 7-1 against Stockton this season. They're riding a six-game winning streak in Stockton at the Stockton Arena. And that's where they'll be on Friday to take on the Heat. And then we'll follow it up with a quick turnaround, a 115 puck drop at the SAP Center on Saturday, part of a Hockey Day in San Jose doubleheader as the Sharks will welcome in the Arizona Coyotes for the second game of the two-game Hockey Day in San Jose doubleheader at the SAP Center. So the Barracuda, just quickly looking ahead, they'll have Stockton for two games. Then they welcome in the Iowa Wild. So we go outside of the division again uh, on Tuesday with Iowa. San Jose will travel out to Des Moines uh, later in the month to take on 
um, the Iowa Wild. That should be a good measuring stick. That's a good hockey team right there. Iowa sitting right behind Grand Rapids for the second spot in that Central Division. But San Jose against the Central, man, they've been really good. 5-0-0-1 against Central Division teams. I didn't really know what quite to what to expect going into Grand Rapids because the four games they had played previous were against the Texas clubs. And it's just a small sample size, and it's a former in-division matchup. But San Jose carried that over into Grand Rapids and gets three of a possible four points. Now they look ahead to Stockton, and they'll have a game against Iowa on Tuesday and then back on to the road with a game in Bakersfield against the hottest team in the entire league. The Condors have won eight straight going into the break. All of a sudden, they're at the second spot in the entire division. You go back a month ago, they were outside of the top four looking you know, outside of that mix, and they're trying to make their first playoff push in franchise history, and man, have they kind of figured it out over the last three weeks. And, and I think it, it's... Part of it kind of trickles down a little bit from the shakeup that they had at the top of their organization in Edmonton, right? And and they came out and they said they're they're really going to put an emphasis on letting their guys develop in the American Hockey League. And you can see that now. They've got some guys who, I guess, maybe in the past would have been brought up to the NHL, to Edmonton, to kind of help the team out a little bit. But these guys now, they're, they're really letting them not marinate, but they're really grooming them, you know, down at the AHL level, which is kind of what you're seeing, what we've done with, you know, Dylan Gambrell. You know, they're, they're, could he play in the NHL? Sure, absolutely, but it's better for his development for him to play in the American League, you know, a for, a really a, a full season to kind of get your feet under you, get experience with the pro, pro game, and then, you know, make the moves on after that. So they're not rushing anybody anymore, and uh, they've, got, they've got a lot of talent. I mean, the two guys we saw in Springfield, uh, Cooper Marodi and Joe Gambardella are dynamite for them. So uh, they're rolling, and uh, you know, hopefully we can keep doing what we've been doing against them all year. Yeah, and Tyler Benson, too, another rookie, um, has been excellent. A former second-round pick by Edmonton has really developed nicely in his first year of professional hockey. They've got Marodi and Benson within the top five in rookie scoring. That's a pretty good rookie class this year in the AHL, and they've got two in the top five, and that's big been a big part of the reason why they've had their success. And then Joe Gambardella, as you mentioned, he's had a great season, made his NHL debut earlier this year, and they have him uh, back down in the American Hockey League. So all of a sudden that Bakersfield roster, it looked a little bit thin at the start of the year when things weren't quite going their way, but Jay Woodcroft has kind of gotten the ship in the right direction, and they've won eight straight. So um, that's a bit of a juggernaut now in the division that San Jose will have to keep their eye on. It's a close race throughout. You lose a couple games, and with as well as everybody's been playing, as you mentioned, Joey, you know, that top spot may have been San Jose's throughout the year. It could slip out of your could change in an instant. It quickly. really could. So San Jose's got to continue to, you know, put the foot uh, to the pedal and, and try to continue to keep a vice grip on the top of the division. Because certainly uh, once you get to the playoffs, although it's a little bit skewed with uh, the way that the playoffs can be set up um, in terms of distance you travel, depends on where you start, all that kind of stuff, you want home ice advantage. And it goes a oh. long way. We saw it two years ago when the team made it all the way to the conference finals. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's I mean that's what you that's what you push for and I think I would assume, right? I mean I don't know for sure, but I would assume that's a goal of everybody in the locker room too. You you absolutely want home ice and it does it does pay off. It's you know, less less you have to worry about. And our building is not has not been an easy one to play in for visiting teams, so um and we've certainly against the teams who are looking at who are kinda of chasing us in the standings, your Tucson's, your San Diego's, we've struggled in their buildings. So it would be nicer to, you know, if it comes down to a playoff matchup, to play them at home as opposed to, you know, on the road, definitely. That's, yeah, just, that's huge. Just for fun, looking at the standings right now, if, if the season were to end today, 
San Jose would begin the opening round against San Diego. And right now, the goals have a four-point advantage on the Eagles. They sit in that fifth spot, and they played one less game. So over the next couple of weeks, you know, we could really get some separation between the four and the five spot. As Colorado has hit some tough times after yeah. being a real strong contender at the start of the year, they've struggled as of late. And Stockton, they've had guys go up and down all season long. They've had a ton of NHL success, but it hasn't translated to the AHL. Andrew Maggiapani was one of their snipers. He was just recalled, so they won't have his services most likely this upcoming weekend. Stockton, Ontario, they're at the bottom. A lot of work to do for those two clubs who right now don't, are eight points out. Don't we have at the top of the division, we've got a couple of games in hand too, if yeah, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we the least amount of games so in the entire division, 38. That, Ontario will be the closest at 39. Yeah, and it definitely helps us a little bit when it comes to the overall standings. Um, but there's, by, I would say by the end of this month, we're all going to be right in the same kind of area for games. we got a lot of games yep. uh, coming up here in February, and a lot of those are against – you know, division opponents who, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, it's going to be an interesting month. And hopefully, uh, like I said, you know, uh, a small little losing streak is going to do damage on, in the standings. Yeah, so. yeah, just looking at the schedule here, um, we begin here at home, or pardon me, on the road against Stockton. You go one game back at home, the game on Tuesday against the, the Wild, and then you go on the road for a couple. But it is a very heavy schedule here in the month. I'm not mistaken, just the top of my head, I think we played 12 games in the month of uh, February. So that's a pretty heavy slate. Four games in the month against the Iowa Wilds. So we'll go out of the division a little bit. Um, we'll welcome in San Diego a couple times. Tucson will come back out uh, to the SAP Center. So it's going to be a, an interesting month and certainly one of those measuring sticks. And if you get out of February with a winning record, you, you put yourself in a pretty good spot to round out the final month and a half of the season. Yeah. So. I'd agree. A lot of stuff uh, ahead for the Veracuda. Let's quickly turn it back a bit. We just had the All-Star uh, Classic in Springfield. Joey, you were out there to witness it. Uh, certainly always a lot of fun. I think these guys, it, it's a bit daunting originally because they're thinking, oh, I want a couple of days off, but they get there and they tend to have a blast. They come back and say it was a great experience. Uh, Francis Perani ends up being the co-winner uh, for the uh, sharpshooter contest, mm -hmm. hit all four targets in six shots. Um, and uh, then you see him score in the three-on-three. Three. Jake Middleton scored. He had four points. Yeah, he, he was huge. Yeah, he was, a, he was a nice little addition for Coach Sommer um, in the three-on-three three, uh, tournament. Then Joe the Wall did Joe the Wall things. He played some solid uh, goaltending as well. They switch off the goalies. Yeah. Like, and they have live changes a couple times where if you don't get a whistle, they'll change the goalie. Yeah. Which, not you know, and there's not many yeah. whistles in the three-on-three. No, three. They, they let it just go. Yeah. But a lot of fun, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it was good. And, and like you said, it's I think it can be at first when you first realize, you know, you got to go to the All-Star game. And like you said, guys are going to Florida or Las Vegas or they go home. A lot of guys like that, you know, that time off. And um, But once they kind of get there and they realize the, what the league has done and what the host cities have done to kind of make it a nice event for everybody, all that, all that changes. Um, and I think Springfield and the AHL, they did a great job putting it together, um, especially coming out from San Jose, seeing what we were doing for the NHL All-Star game. Obviously, the American League's not going to have that much going on compared to what the NHL did because it's, it's, a, a, different it's, a, it's a different – yeah, yeah it's, it's a different situation. But they did an awesome job. The, the MGM Casino that uh, was a, a presenting sponsor, presenting partner – uh, it was great. They 
you know, hosted everybody. They had a nice little outdoor rink where people could go and skate. They had some of the player, uh, some of the mascots go out there a couple times. Uh, I know there were guys who did a, a hospital visit one morning uh, in Springfield, captains for both teams, and then one or two guys uh, from each conference went to that. Uh, Hall of Fame induction, Don Cherry was inducted into the AHL Hall of Fame, uh, so that was cool. Uh, Sean Thornton was a uh, honorary captain, like it, it was, it was good. They did a good job, and and the arena itself sold out both nights. So they had crowds of close to eight thousand both nights, uh, and I would say the the skills competition. I would say there's probably a little bit more life in the building than there was for the three on three. Um, three on three, it seemed like any time there was noise in the building, it was during the breaks in action when they were having music going, or anytime someone on Springfield touched the puck because it was the host city. And anytime someone on Hartford touched the puck, because Hartford's so close to Springfield that that's a rivalry, and they hate everybody from Hartford. So, um, but it was cool. The the you know, top to bottom was great. It would have been nice to see the Pacific Division, uh, you know, play a little bit better. But um, you know, for the for the host city, two years in a row, la- uh, last year in Utica, the North Division made it all the way to the finals, and they won. They beat the Pacific, and this year, North Division again uh, went, and they ended up. Uh, beating the Atlantic, who was the host. So it was definitely kept people involved all the way throughout. It wasn't like a quick one and done. I do like the format that they have as opposed to what the NHL does. Instead of playing like one game and that might be it, it's a full round robin tournament and each game's 10 minutes. So you're going to play every division. So you're guaranteed three games and the top two records go and play in the finals. And it's, you know, with the 10 minute uh, games, you're essentially running three periods of hockey and you get 20 minutes. They scrape the ice, mascots come out and play hockey or whatever. Next ones come out, and, and it's good. But, uh, no, they did a great job. The skills thing was a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, seeing um, Frankie win the accuracy shooting contest was great. Uh, and talking with the guy, seems like they had a lot of fun. A little bit tougher for Joe because, uh, you know, the not only the skills, but the all-star game itself is not really made for goalies to no. succeed. Um, so, I mean, he let up. I mean, obviously he got lit up like a Christmas tree in the three-on-three, but, like, that's kind of what it was. Yeah. Um, And then the the skills competition, while there's some competition for goalies too, not really made for them to to show off and dominate. But uh, it was good. You know, I think he had a lot of fun with it. And, uh, yeah, there was one one highlight real goal. So two years in a row we've had that. Last year in Utica, I forget who it was, one of the guys um, with the Devils organization – on a breakaway, put an unreal move on, on Bibbs and kind of got him all pulled out of the net and he kind of dropped it back in, in behind him. Uh, this year we had uh, Matt Donovan from uh, Milwaukee go between the legs on a breakaway uh, over Joe's shoulder. So uh, that's it. Made sports in a top 10 and all that good stuff. But, you know, that's what the All-Star Game is all about, though, right? It's you go there to have fun. And I think Roy had a good time coaching, and he, I don't know if anybody saw his interview behind the bench uh, during the game. He was all amped up, ready to go. Mo was there, and I heard Mo was on another level, getting the guys all amped up and excited in the locker room. Uh, so, yeah, it was good. Saw Troy Grosnick, so he says hello to all Cuda country. I think he had a good time that weekend, too. So, uh, overall, it was a success. Good stuff. It certainly is a bit of a glorified Pickup game, to say the least, oh, yeah. the goalies are left completely high and dry. Mm-hmm. So as, from a goaltending standpoint, you got to have a good attitude because you're going to be left uh, in the dust yeah. time after time. But a lot of fun for sure. Fun to watch, and the AHL does a great job in terms of, from a TV standpoint, putting on the NHL network. They had on an AHL TV as well. 
and uh, Brendan Burke did a great job doing the play-by-play -play duties and then the entire kind of spectacle that goes into having that game on TV. I think it was a really good uh, look for the American Hockey League. And now it's time to gear up for the for the second half. I think everybody right. had a good time and now everybody puts their focus on the Calder Cup playoffs and, you know, seeding and positioning and where teams can go from here. And it all starts for San Jose um, tomorrow night in Stockton. So it should be should be a good matchup. I think we'll have next week, uh, we'll, we'll plan on having a couple of the guys, if not all three, um, from the All-Star game. They'll jump on board on the on the podcast, so we'll get some insight from those yeah. guys, at least Frankie and, and Joe, because we haven't had them on the podcast just yet. We had, obviously, uh, Jake Middleton with his brother Keaton on a couple weeks ago, so at least we'll get the two. And uh, we'll get a little bit of a rundown on how the entire week uh, was and what went into it. And uh, there's a lot of smiles. I know just watching yeah. from social standpoint, from TV, these guys look like they're yeah. enjoying it. And it'll be two different perspectives, too, because I think, you know, Frankie was out there. He had he had family out there, so a lot of people were able to come down and see see him play. Um, so that was great. I know he, had, he was supposed to have a big group of people there, and it ended up being cut in half because there were some issues getting from Canada and the United States, and somebody forgot a passport. I don't know. I'm sure he'll go through it. And then you had Joe, who was – out there on his own, he, his, obviously his family wasn't coming in from the Czech Republic. They said but on, on TV, and I don't know if that was a mistake, but they said, they did say Joe's family was... No, uh, might have got, so there okay. was two Czech players okay. represented the All-Star gotcha. Classic, both goalies, yeah. one from San Jose and the other was from Hershey. Hershey. Um, his family made the trip, so sense. they could have gotten it confused, but as far as I know, Joe, I mean, I asked him if his parents were going, he said no, it was too far. Uh, I don't think his girlfriend went, I, I think he was just kind of there on his own, checking it out, so... Um, hearing his perspective versus, you know, what Francis had. I'm sure it was similar, but it, it's going to be cool to hear, you yeah. know, what they had. And, and I don't really know what the league did for them, like, behind the scenes as far as, like, I know they get to keep jerseys, but um, they give them any kind of swag bags and what kind of stuff they got as for being all-stars and whatnot. I think uh, all that will be pretty cool to, to find out. Yeah, no doubt about it. So that will be uh, next week. We'll have those guys on the podcast. Um, Going in, uh, going into another week, and we'll have we'll have the game on Tuesday against Iowa. So we'll follow it up. We'll talk about the the game about against the Wild and what happened over the weekend, and gear you up for a couple games on the road as well. So um, not a lot from from us this week, and we're going to keep this one pretty short, and then you know kind of get uh, prepared for next week. Anything to add, Joe? Before yeah, we, well, we got Saturday is Kentucky yeah, Thoroughblades Day, so we can talk a little bit about that. Um, obviously, it's game four of our throwback series, yep. so. We're getting close to the end here, um, but this is really the, the last big one before we focus on, you know, San Jose. So uh, the guys will be wearing those sharp Kentucky Thoroughblades jerseys that, I don't know if you'd call it teal, but almost like a, a jade and lavender-ish color of a jersey. Um, so we'll have those going. Those will be up for auction. Same deal as before. You know, you can go – to barracuda.gesture.com to sign up for uh, the auction. You could text Barracuda to 52182 and join the auction. So as soon as it goes live on Saturday, you'll get a text message that says we're up and running. You can start bidding. Uh, we're going to have a lot of alumni in the building. Uh, we're expecting Dan Boyle, uh, getting to Bakov, Mark Smith, Johan uh, Hedberg should all be here to you know take part in ceremonial puck drop. Hopefully everybody there is signing autographs as well, so it'll be a, a nice, we're expecting a lot of people to, to be out there for that. Uh, no giveaway this time around, but it, uh, you know, it should be fun. We're going to do the rebrand on social, uh, which reminds me I should probably start getting that set up, but we'll be, we'll be taking over social again as we, as we have all throughout. So that's going to be uh, 
that'll be a lot of fun for sure. I think, uh, you know, I, we've talked about it a little bit, but I think the Thoroughblade logo is the best one of the what we're dealing with so far. Yeah. Of all the throwback ones, I think that one's the it's coolest. It's got a nice 90s look to it, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one as well. As you mentioned, that's the fourth of our fifth. We'll have one more coming up with the orange jerseys. That'll be a, a giveaway uh, will be the orange ones. This is not a giveaway to fans, uh, just a reminder, but we will allow um, for the opportunity to, to bid on these jerseys. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. And then we also, another uh, quick note, um, and I mentioned this during our weekly meeting, um, head coach Roy Somers, one went away from 750 in his career. He's obviously the all-time leader in wins in the AHL. He's the all-time leader in games coached. He's uh, the longest tenured coach in American Hockey League history, and the AHL has been around for more than 80 years. So um, he continues to check boxes off to his illustrious and legendary career. And uh, just doing a little bit of research uh, on Roy as, as we look back, I thought it was fascinating. So Roy uh, played three NHL games in his career, and they came back in the 1980-81 season with the uh, Wayne Gretzky-led Edmonton Oilers. Um, he was the third player in NHL history to be from California. There was two other guys who played before him. Uh, Chris Ahrens and Lee Norwood played a couple games before. He scored his first and only goal on January 28, 1981 versus the Montreal Canadiens. In that game, the Edmonton Oilers won 9-1, to and Wayne Gretzky had five points. He had a goal and four assists in the game. It was pretty fascinating to look at the box score that uh, actually the NHL uh, supplied for us um, to look at the names, Paul Coffey, Mark Messier, Wayne Gretzky, so on and so forth. I mean, it was incredible names, uh, fascinating stuff uh, to, to see that box score. Who assisted on his goal? Who assisted? Wasn't anybody a, a major note, um, or I would have I would have remembered who it was. It wasn't Gretzky, it wasn't Messier, it wasn't Coffey, it wasn't any of the yeah. big, big name guys. But uh, a 9-1 win, uh, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, and to, to play the three games in the NHL, um, he'll admit, he jokes around, he had a cup of coffee in the show. But, hey, to play three, you, that's pretty good uh, team to play it on. That's three more than so you or I have ever played. So. Ever played. But the fact that you play three, you could have played three with, uh, you know, a bottom feeder. You play three with right. the, some of the best one ever. One of the best uh, dynasties of yeah. all time and the best player to, to ever strap them up. So 750 wins. That's man, that is a lot. Seven hundred. That's a lot of wins. But he's, wins. I mean, he's played a lot. He's coached a lot of games. But that's a lot of wins. And that's he's not only is he at the top of the AHL, but he's up there just in professional hockey in general yep. as far as games won and even games coached. I mean, he's. I think he's. I think we we were looking it up. He's maybe fourth all time. So he's actually yeah. So he. Guys in front of him, Scotty Bowman has the most, 1,244. Joel Quinville's behind him. Um, Ken Hitchcock, as well, is, is just behind him. Hitchcock is around 700. Quinville's at 851. And then Al Arbor, 782. And then Roy, Roy Sommer, just behind him at 749 right now. I mean, those are legendary names. Obviously, they did it in the National Hockey League, but... I mean, no one's done it in the AHL yeah. like this. No one's had the longevity that Roy's had. And it's funny that we're honoring the Kentucky Thoroughblades because that's the first crack he had in the AHL back in the 1998-99 season is when he began. Took over after two seasons as an assistant with the San Jose Sharks. So funny it's how that crazy. connects. And, and it's just it's crazy. And last year, I mean, we were celebrating his 700th win. And he's had some really good teams. Probably – Arguably his best teams he's ever out had. here, definitely, definitely out here. I mean, he's had a lot of success. He had won the coach of the year two years ago. He had the rookie of the year, goaltender of the year, best record in the uh, Western Conference. 
Um, got all the way to a conference final for the first time in his career. So he's really put together some good teams. And, you know, they love what he provides here from a developmental standpoint, what he provides for these young players. And his track record is, is clear as day, the amount of guys he's had under his wing, and, and they've been able to go on to successful NHL careers. So congratulations to, to Coach. Uh, before he picks up 750, um, I'm sure it'll happen this weekend, uh, whether it's Friday or it's Saturday, but 750 wins. That is it's impressive. Ridiculous. It's impressive. So, yeah. To do anything for 21 years is incredible, especially to be a head coach, especially the day age that we live in where coaches are, you know, replaced on a daily basis at all levels of, of professional sports. So Sommer coming up on 750. We've got a couple questions. Yeah, we got uh, some questions cool. this time around. Um, so we have three questions. Uh, we'll start uh, with Francis Perron. So the uh, question is, what's the possibility of seeing Francis Perron play uh, with the big club? which I mean, we've kind of talked about a little bit uh, on previous shows, I do I think he's deserving of a chance? Absolutely. It's kind of the same way with a guy like Jake Middleton, too. It's, it's all going to be circumstance, right? I mean, there's, there's not a lot of space up there right now, and you kind of have to – you don't hope injuries happen, but that's kind of the only way I see him getting into the lineup at this point. Not only that, but he's still behind – as, as far as the pecking order for forwards, Rourke Chartier is at the top, and Gambrell's, you know, they're kind of 1A, 1B. So you need to – and it, it could it could change too because, I mean, they're both centers, but I, mean, I don't think Frankie centers at all. But Yeah, he, he hasn't this year at all. I haven't seen him play any center. And, you know, I think the year he has had has been, you know, incredible. I think it's opened everybody's eyes. You saw it in the All-Star Classic. The guy has an absolute rocket of the shot. When he is able to let that thing go – I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to say there's many yeah. guys in the entire AHL who have a shot like that, and there's probably, you know, it'd be less than half of the league in the NHL who have that type yeah. of shot. I mean, it's an impressive type of release. Um, like you mentioned, there's a bit of a logjam at the forward position. The thing about Frankie is he's only 22 years old. Yeah, that's what age. people forget, too. He's still really young. Yes. So, so it wouldn't hurt for him to come back, play an entire year here in the AHL, have some success because it wasn't there his first two years, come back next year. If he has a good training camp, I'm sure he'll be pushing for a spot. Mm -hmm. um, another guy that's been sensational over the last couple of months um, after a slow start is Alexander True. Yeah. All of a sudden, True's leading the team in scoring. Uh, a goal behind Frankie for the team lead in goals. He's first in assists, second in plus minus, first in points per game. I mean, he has been really good, and he's a guy I think who's starting to, you know, inch closer to, to pushing for a spot. Um, this is a Stanley Cup contending Sharks team, though. So to right. have a young guy come up and actually get minutes at the NHL level is going to be tough, and that's why I think you, you go more for a rookie who's experienced and is a center iceman and can fill in some games. A Gambrell who He's a little, you know, he's still young in his career, but he's 23 now. Mm -hmm. He's a little bit more seasoned. He had the national championship experience. So, and he's had, a, you know, five right. games of NHL experience this year. Not to say, like, and again, we're not, I'm, it's not that we don't think no, I Frankie think could do it. I think he absolutely, he, yes. and I think he's absolutely talented enough, yeah. talented enough to do it. It's just, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in with this organization where there's just not a lot of jobs open right now. Nope. And to... When, when you're in a situation like that, you have to just you, you kind of have to be lights out on the American League level to even get that opportunity, right? Yep. And um, so unless we see a, a absolute tear in the second half, I, I don't know if it'll happen this year, but the hope is that at some point we get to see him uh, make that jump. So um, next question, 
is how confident are we that uh, the team will keep Keaton Middleton past this season with the Barracuda. So I believe he's – I mean, he's on an AHL deal. Might just be a year. One I'm year not too AHL sure. deal. I think he's I think a, it's a lock. Yeah, I would think he's a lock to yeah. come back. I mean, obviously we don't know any of the inside details or anything like yeah. that, but he's played in what, all but like one game maybe with us so far this year, and he's been he's been pretty much a, a rock back there defensively. I mean, he's he's one of those guys who's playing in just about all facets of the game. I don't think he's played a ton of power play time, but he's first on the penalty kill. He's on a top two pairing, whether he's on that top line or the second one. So um, I think he's going to follow the same path that his brother took. And I'm, I think he's seeing the way Jake has kind of handled himself throughout his time here and, and what it's taken him to get to that level. And I, I see Keaton following in those footsteps as well. Um, certainly a promising player with his size and, you know, his ability. So uh, he's, he's still really – he's only 20, so he's still really young too. Um, and it's not like I think you look into the prospect pool, what we kind of have up and coming. Aside from the guys we have here, like right now, the eight guys, I don't know if there's a lot of defensive depth that we have, like in juniors or in college, really. Well, Ferraro is probably going to be here next year. Right. Um, even maybe uh, Ryan Merkley has the potential, but those guys are. Well, Merk- well, Merkley can't be here for another two years. He's only eighteen, so he can't be here for a little bit. If he's gonna, okay, if he yeah, comes so in at all, it'd be for the be last. The end of the and year. then Ferraro would have to leave school early, which yep. I don't know if he's gonna do. Yep. But I mean, certainly aside from those two. Yeah. I don't think I really don't think that we have a ton. Yeah. Um. So it'll be at least nobody that's that's ready kind of right away. So, um. I would imagine he's, you know, he gets signed to it an NHL deal similar to what we saw with his brother, similar to what we saw with Alexander True. Um, he'd be a good person to keep around, I think. And if you look, I mean, if you kind of compare the the seasons that Keaton is having right now compared to his brother Jake, who was able to pawn that first season into an entry-level contract. Jake played 50 games that first year. He had one goal, eight assists. Keaton's got five goals already. He's got seven assists. 12 total points, and we're not even quite to 40 games. Yeah. So you don't compare them, but if you are going to compare them, he's having, he's doing everything you could possibly ask for a guy as a 20-year-old mm-hmm. coming in. He's a staple now on the back end. He knows he's going to be in the lineup every single night. Um, so I would be shocked. This is what they want to do, right? It's like they, it's a sales pitch. It's as if San Jose, the American League, is a college football program. And for these guys that are undrafted or they're drafted in Keaton's case but unsigned, they're trying to sell what San Jose is. You come here, we're going to give you an opportunity, and if you play well, we'll give you a chance with another contract. And, I mean, you look at what Keaton's done so far. I mean, I think he's checked off every single box the organization would want. Um, He's just got to carry it through, and I would certainly expect them to try to lock him down. Yeah. Uh, Last question we got is, let me just pull it up. Did anyone see Joseph Koronash's emergence coming? Yes. I think everybody kind of saw it coming. I think with, with the way he held himself in uh, you know, the past couple of rookie camps and, and development camps, things like that, I think everybody knew that, that he was a talented goalie. Um, obviously, the, the, the start that he's had to his professional career has been wild. Um, I don't know if anybody expected the start to be this way, but if you talk to Nabby or if you talk to any of the coaches, anybody really in the organization, I think it seems like they all expected him to be a, a, a good goalie. Roy's talked about he's a special talent, and there's not a lot. I think Roy, there was an article 
Uh, somebody wrote uh, at All-Star Weekend highlighting a couple top prospects from around the league and who were looking forward to a big second half. And one of them was, uh, was Cornash. And, and Roy said it's, he's special and he's kind of reminds him of the way that Nabby was and Kiprasov, some of these big-name goalies who Roy had in his tenure who come in at such a young age and they're just kind of they're ripe and ready to go where sometimes goalies take a little bit longer to develop, but Joe's kind of adapting really quick. Yeah, and I don't know where I saw it, but Roy had a quote about uh, Yosef talking about he may be the best he's had, and obviously this is his first year, and you're, you know, you're barely through the halfway point. But, man, he's even really good. But you knew Nabby was excited about him. When he came into development camp a couple years ago, the Sharks decided they, they really liked him, thought about drafting him. Well, they, they decided they were going to pass on him in the draft and sign him as a free agent. It all worked out for him. He's a little bit of an undercover prospect, having played just one year in the U- USHL. Well, Nabby loved him. He fell in love with him. I even asked him, you know, what do you think of this kid? And he's like, there's not a lot they have to work with. And, I mean, that's a that's like completely, you know, the, the way he said it. And for, but, and, and for a goalie, like I said, goalies take so much longer yeah. to develop than really yeah. any other position you have. So to hear that, that, like, there's really not a lot in his game that he needs to yeah. work on yep. is – it's unbelievable. I know. I couldn't believe when he said that. So he plays the one year in the USHL, split off um, as the number one, didn't even play, you know, play 32 games that year, goes to the Czech Republic last year, back to his native Czech Republic, plays in what's considered like their second tier league. He played nine games last year. Yeah. And now he's in the American Hockey League and he's 15-3-1. He's got a 2-10 goals against and at 9-24 save percentage and three shutouts. He's got the only three shutouts we have all year. I mean, he, he has been incredible and he's coming off a shutout win and his start before that he made 41 saves yeah so I mean I I was excited about him the way as confident as Nabby was and the, as confident as the organization was but the sample size was so small I just didn't know what to expect yeah and I, I didn't I mean we saw last year how great Antoine Bivo was and I thought you know oh I knew Yosef was coming in and we knew obviously we had heard everything the organization said so we knew that we were going to have a solid goaltending duo, and we felt strong about that. But I didn't expect it to be to the point where we were going to have a potential goalie controversy or who's going to get the start. I mean, at this point, you could throw any guy back there, and you know you're going to have, you're going to have confidence in either one. But for a guy who's literally turned 21 today, yep, happy birthday! I Joe. mean, it's 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 kind of you don't see that. No, it's, and it's, he's been great, and he's a great kid off the ice, and he's. You know, he doesn't have that, you know, the stigma with the goalies is that they're always kind of weird and, and different. But, like, he's just a normal kid just doing his thing, you know. And nothing really seems to bother him, and he's pretty laid back. And it's special, really, if you think about it. And you were talking about the other all-star goalie um, with Hershey, who was a Washington Capitals second-round draft pick. And it just, it just, you know, tip your cap to the scouting department. This has really been an unreal organization over the years, finding goaltending, goaltending talent late in the draft or even, you know, as free agents. So you got another kid who's all of a sudden near the top of your prospect pool in less than a half a year in the AHL because of the way he's played, and he's just 21 years yeah. of age. So he is – he – Joseph Coronash is your San Jose Sharks goalie of the future. So, like, I think he's a guy you, you absolutely want to watch throughout his career because – by the time Martin Jones is, whether he's coming up at the end of his contract or he's getting a little bit older in age, looking to call it quits, like Joe's going to be, what, 25, 26? That, that's right in the wheelhouse for somebody to break into the league, and he's going to have so much experience already. I mean, he's, he's going to be the guy that they turn to when they're ready to pass on the, you know, pass the torch to a, 
a, a number one goalie, yeah. I would think. Yeah, I mean, he could have three or four years of AHL experience before he becomes a yeah. full-time NHLer, which is not a bad thing, right? And it makes it a lot easier when you've got your AHL team here in San Jose and he has all the resources mm -hmm. of an NHL club and he doesn't feel like he's far away. You know, you go back to five years ago when you're in Worcester and some of these guys feel like they maybe were buried, but this situation, he knows he's right there. And he's, you know, if you really look at it, he's probably fourth on the depth chart in terms of goaltending mm -hmm. prospects because of the age of Antoine, who's going to be 25 in May, um, but still having a really solid year himself. He's in the top 10 of both the major goaltending categories. So, you know, I think that's really, the, the, that's really, the, that's really the only way that I could see, you know, Cornash being delayed is if Bibsky is playing like this, he's going to force his way into, you know, the, the backup job eventually, especially if, if Deller continues with the struggles that he's kind of had. Bibbs is going to kind of force somebody's hand to kind of get him an opportunity. And I think that's one of the things that this organization does well is, is they're going to promise you an opportunity, right? And you're going to get that opportunity. Yep, so yep. to be determined, but uh, Bibbs is another year on his contract as well. So, I mean, it's a good thing to have depth. Um, certainly at that position because, I mean, look at Philadelphia. Every single year they're looking for a guy to yeah. fill that They role. might have their guy now, Carter, Carter Hart. Yeah, Hart yeah, so. they may. And then they had the other kid play the other night and, uh, in, in Madison Square Garden, yeah. their backup, and was had a – it's, it's just it's, – it's a relief to, to have two goalies who you can rely on night in and night out. It really is. Um, you know, I, I can't say in the three years prior that we've had that, we've, we've – had a consistent one-two where we, you, know, you didn't have those too many concerns like that, but it's it's nice and it, it makes things easier to play when you're a forward or defenseman as well, knowing you have two guys back there. They credit uh, Bibbs and, and Corsi all the time about the work that they do, so uh, certainly makes their lives a little bit easier. No doubt. Any more questions? That's it. That's, That's all it. I got. Cool, cool. Um, again, next week we'll try to get a couple of the All-Stars on board for the uh, podcast for next week. We'll get an inside look at uh, all the all-star festivities, what, in, what went into it. I mean, it's a crazy kind of turnaround because Veracruz played on Saturday. And a lot of, a, and a lot of teams, I, and I, I don't know, I, I wish they wouldn't do it that way, but like a lot of teams played Saturday night in the American Hockey League, and a lot of guys flew in Sunday afternoon. Like our guys left at early, early in the morning at Grand Rapids. There were guys who were leaving California at 5 a.m. to get out here like that's that's a long long day and then to get have to go and play the skills competition that night it, yeah. it can be a grind so yeah yeah they have the skills competition on Sunday every team pretty much in the league a majority of them played on Saturday mm -hmm. so wherever you're at you're flying early our bus was at 5:45 in the morning Roy and the group of players along with Bo they went east we went all west but everybody was there at the same time but yeah it's pretty crazy and they got to go and try to perform for the all-star um, skills competition, but I mean they're pros, so they they handled it well, and yeah. still crazy um, that they they've got to do that. But good to have everybody back. Good to have a couple days off, and now uh, it's time to put your head down and, and, and try to pick up some wins and lock right. down this division. So can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. All right, guys, uh, appreciate everybody tuning in for another edition of the Cuda Confidential Podcast. We'll be back at it next Wednesday. Uh, we'll come back out with another episode this week, of course, with the break. We uh, recorded on Thursday, so a little bit later than we often do. But we'll be back at it at a normal time uh, next week. See you. See you. I'm a, I'm a go for broke. You could go hard or you could go home. You could live life or you could just fold and let it go. Because I'm, I'm a go for broke. Look, I started with a
a dollar in a dream, right? So I can show these people how to dream, right? I can show them how to aim for the stars and take it to the arenas from the street lights. Oh, this is what the top feels like. I still remember Raymond Noodle meal nights. I still remember checking my account and having $26 when I signed my record deal.